All right, good morning, Faith Church. It's good to see you guys today. Thanks so much for showing up, being a part of our weekend here at Faith Church. I just have to uh, make sure that this was clear in case it was muddy in any way because my, wi- my wife made the point. So again, for Mother's Day, if you were here, moms, we celebrated you. We gave you massages. Uh, we just want to be clear, men, we're not giving away muscle cars. Just, let's be clear. They're going to be out there for you to look at. If we were giving one away, there's always been a standing rule for, for years. I've been in ministry for a long time. We've given away lots of things. And here at Faith Church, previous church I pastored, and I always had a standing rule that, that myself, my family, our kids could never be in the drawings because we thought it would always look fixed if we won. So unfortunately, our kids have kind of been punished because they couldn't be in the drawings. I just want to be clear, if we ever give away a muscle car, I'm going to be in the drawing, and I got a feeling I might win. <laughs> but no muscle car giveaways, but it's going to be a great day. We had an amazing Father's Day last year, so dads, make sure you're here. Guys, if your dads aren't in church or maybe they're just kind of busy floating around, bring them. It's going to be an amazing day that we can celebrate dads. I promise you're going to have a great time. So listen, hey, we're continuing our series today entitled Emoji Life. And um, there's a joke. I got to tell this joke. It's one of my favorites, right? So there's this guy. He goes into a corner grocery store. And when he walks in, he finds that the owner has recently purchased a parrot to set by the door to greet the customers when they come in. And so this guy walks in, and the parrot, right, sees this guy, and he's like, bald and ugly, bald and ugly. And this guy's kind of offended, right? But, you know, he just kind of goes about his grocery shopping and gets his stuff, and he leaves. And about a week later, he comes back in, and and this parrot pipes up, bald and ugly, bald and ugly. And, like, he just... He's irate. He just cannot believe that this parrot is continuing to insult him. So he goes directly to the owner of the grocery store and says, hey, listen, if your parrot continues to insult me, I'm going to take my business elsewhere. Like, I'm just not going to have it. So the owner of the grocery store, he goes to the parrot and says, hey, listen, the next time you call this uh, this guy bald and ugly, that's it. Like, you're not going to be around anymore. So the next week, man, this guy walks in and walks by the parrot. The parrot doesn't say a word. But when he walks by, the parrot goes... (laughs) <laughs> he goes, <laughs> and the guy looks around and he says, what? And he says, you know. <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I don't know about you guys, but like, I lo- I've heard that joke years ago, and like every now and then, like when I hear someone whistle, <laughs> I think, you know. <laughs> like I just love it. Here's why, man. I don't know about anybody else in this room, but I love to laugh. And when I say, I mean, truly, I love to laugh. I love the belly laugh. Man, I love to have a good time. We have some great staff here. Pastor Ryan, um, he's a great youth pastor, but I'm telling you, he's always going to have a position here. He's like my court jester, man. He brings joy in the room. Man, always causes us to laugh. When I go to the movies, you know the guy in the movie that laughs obnoxiously loud? I'm just going to tell you, it's me. Like when the joke's over and someone's still laughing, it's me. At at times when I work out in the gym, I'm on the cardio, I listen to all kinds of things. I listen to leadership podcasts. I listen to sermons sometimes. Every now and then I'll throw in someone like stand-up comedy. I'm working out. I'm just telling you, I'm on the cardio and I'm laughing out loud. My wife's beside me like, I'm like, this junk's funny right here. I just, because I love to laugh. I love to have a good time. I love to just kind of feel and experience laughter and joy. It's, It's like, man, it's such an integral part of life. This series that we're in, Emoji Life, what we've been talking about is dealing with the emotions that we all deal with. And, uh, you know, last week we talked about grief. We talked about several so far. We're going to continue in this series. But today I want to talk about joy. Do you know why? Because out of all the emotions that we experience, everybody in this room would say this, I think, that, man, I wish I had more joy in my life. You can never have too much joy. You can, you can have too much grief. You can have too much sadness. But you can never have too much joy. No matter how much you have, you can have more. 
But the reality is, if all of us here in this room were honest, sometimes we don't really experience the joy that we think we should have. That we face challenges and difficulties in life. There are things that come and we don't have joy. We don't feel joy. And here's what I want you to know right on the front end. That while you might be able to give me the reason why you don't have the joy you think you want to have or you should have, Jesus makes it clear that you can have joy. And so if you're here today for the first time, maybe you're new to church or new to spiritual things, I want everybody here to know that we place a high premium on God's word. That what he says about who we are, what he says about what we can have and what we experience, we believe that his truth is above every other truth. And so when Jesus steps on the scene, he says, hey, listen, I want you to have, I want you to have joy. I want you to experience joy. I want you to know right up front that you can have joy. And so listen to what Jesus says right here. We're going to jump in John chapter 15. Every voice in this house, I want you to read this with me. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be. First, he says, hey, he says, I I want you to know that he says, "I I want you to have my joy in you. Now, there's something about think about the joy that Jesus has. I mean, he knows in the end. He knows the victory. He knows that he, he's like being God, like everything's underneath his feet. God doesn't have anything to be worried about. He doesn't have anything to be upset about. I want you to know that there is joy and laughter, the Bible says, in heaven. So God says, listen, I want you to have the same kind of joy that I have, I want you to have. So he talks right up front about the quality of joy that we should experience in this life. But then he makes this point. He says, so these things I've spoken to you that that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may, everybody say may, may be full. So he says right up front, I want you to know that, that it's a possibility to have joy, but it's not a guarantee. You may have it, you may not. In fact, think about some of us in this room. There's, there's times we have joy, there's times we don't. Some, do- some days you have more, more joy than other days. Some, some days you don't have any joy at all. Some days people don't want to be around you because you don't have any joy. And so, so Jesus steps on. He says, hey, you may or may not have joy. But he says, I want you to know this. The joy that I want you to have, it's my joy. And he says this about the joy. Check this out. He says that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Everybody say remain and full. Come on, shout full. Full. I love this. So he says, I want, I want the joy that I have for you. He said, I want it to remain. I want it to always be there. Not be there when times are good. Not be there when life makes sense. He says, I want you to have remaining joy that no matter what situation you're in, no matter how good things are going on the outside, I want you to have remaining joy on the inside. And he says this, he says, not just a little bit of joy, but he says, full joy. The word that he uses here is a picture of a vessel crammed full. He says, I want my joy crammed full in your life all the time. So check this out. So God's desire, God's will for us is for you to always have a complete and full joy. Man, I love it. In every situation, in every circumstance, to be crammed full with his joy. Now, let me just ask the question. Is there anybody in this room that would like some more joy? Wave at me. All of us. And so Jesus steps on the scene. He says, listen, I just want you to know it right up front. That I want you to have a complete, a remaining, a total, a full, and cramful joy. And he gives us the reasons. And he says this again. He says, he says, these things I've spoken to you. So he says, there's some things that I've just got finished saying. 
in your joy is dependent or your joy is based on the things that I've just said to you. So I want to talk just for a minute about the things that Jesus says ends up culminating in our joy being full and remaining. Here's some things. In fact, last week I told you, if you were here, I challenged you to read the Gospel of John chapter 14, 15, and 16. John 14, 15, and 16 are, it's almost all, if you have a red letter edition Bible, typically red letters are the words that Jesus spoke. And it's almost exclusively all red letters because it's an ongoing conversation that Jesus has with his disciples just before he leaves at the end of his life, just before he goes to the cross, before his death and his resurrection. He makes all of these incredible comments to his disciples. And so these are some things that he says. So again, he says, these things, everybody say these things. These things, I'm te- I've just told you all of these things, so if you'll hear them and you'll understand them, you can have a full joy. So, so watch this. So, so joy, accessing joy is God's responsibility. Possessing joy is our responsibility. Do y'all hear that? He says, I'm making joy available to you based on these things. But possessing joy, that's our responsibility. So God's saying, I want you to have joy, but if you decide to have joy, that's up to you. But it's going to be based on these things. Check out these things. Number one, and there's actually more than the four I'm going to give you, but just real quick, here are some of the things that Jesus says that constitute these things. First of all, he says, he says this. He says, listen, I want you to know that, that I'm out of here. I'm leaving this world, but I'm going to the Father's house. And I'm going to build a place for you. And then I'm going to come back and get you that where I am, you can be also. I don't know about anybody else in this room, but I'm jacked up about spending eternity with Jesus. He says, I want you to know that I'm leaving, but I'm coming back for you. That's an incredible promise that he makes in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 3. Then it's another one of these things that he says. Number two, he says this. He says, even though I'm leaving, I'm not going to leave you alone. He says, no, no way. He said, you ain't going to be left alone in this world. I've been with you to his disciples then. I've been with you for three and a half years. I know you're bummed and upset that I'm leaving you. But he says, I want you to know that I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit who's going to be with you and dwell on the inside of you. And I want everybody to know that this promise is our promise today, that as a Christ follower, that the promise is the Holy Spirit, God's presence dwells on the inside of us, that we are never, ever alone. And then he says this, check it out. He says, and I'm going to give you, John chapter 15, he says, as long as you're connected to me and I'm connected to you. As long as we're connected, he says, I'm going to give you a meaningful life. He says, I'm going to give you success in things that you can never have success in your own ability. God says, I'm going to give you strength and I'm going to give you favor. I'm going to open doors of opportunity for you. God says, I'm going to do incredible things in your life. And here's the beautiful thing. When he says a meaningful life, he says, what I enable you to do, what I give you favor to do, it's going to last long. He says, long after the world ends, I'm going to give you a lasting, he used this word fruit. I'm going to give you lasting fruit. I'm going to give you lasting uh, input and influence on your life. That's a, come on, church. These are amazing promises. And he says, these things I've said to you. Promised eternity with them. The Holy Spirit with us. A meaningful life. And then this is probably the favorite, I think, of all of ours. He, he makes this statement. He says, I want you to know that I'm giving you my love. He says, I want you to know what this love is like. He said, the same love that the Father has for me is the same love that I have for you. It's the same caliber. 
It's the same quality. It's the same quantity. The same way God the Father loves God the Son, God says, I love each and every one of you. So he says, these things I've spoken to you that your joy might be full. And here's the funny thing is you can see right away when you look at these four things why a lot of us don't have the joy that we want to have. The reason a lot of us don't have the joy that we want to have is because we have based our joy in temporary things. Listen to me, the duration of your joy is determined by the duration of what you connect it to. If you connect your joy to temporary things, you're going to have temporary joy. Are you all hearing me? Listen, think about this. We base our joy as people, we base our joy on relationships, right? If we're, if we're connected to the right person, a lot of us in this room or you're watching online, you're hoping to find Mr. or Mrs. Right, and if you can just find them, like you're going to be happy in life and We have just found out in this world that a lot of relationships are temporary. People get mad at us. People get bitter. We get upset. Come on, church. We have tension with each other. Some of you in this room, maybe you're on your first divorce, second divorce, boyfriends and girlfriends, and we chase relationships that are often temporary. And not just relationships that are temporary, but a lot of times we pursue possessions that continue just to pass. We buy new stuff and it breaks We buy stuff and it rusts. We buy stuff and we throw it away, right? We're happy when we get, come on, we're happy when the shoes are on sale. We love it when we get the new flat screen. We love it when we get the new iOS, when we get the new iPhone or the new iPad or the new MacBook Pro. We love new stuff. But how many people know that like you're excited on Christmas and you're not so excited a week later because possessions are passing, And a lot of us, we base how happy we are, the joy we have in this life, by the culmination of the stuff we have. And as fast as you accumulate stuff, it depreciates in value. You buy a brand new car, and it's worth less the moment you drive it off the lot. Come on, everybody in this room, you buy, anybody here ever add a new car or a newer car? Wave at me. Man, you wash that thing like every other day. Clean the tires, wash off the dashboards, find that thing like a year later. There's McDonald's cups all over the place, wrappers stuck underneath the seat. You ain't washed it in in three months. Do you know why? Because when you got you like, like you got the bass rolling, bom, bom. I, you can be 50 and roll in a new car. It don't even matter. Do you know why? Because you got joy. A year later, it don't matter. You know, it don't matter. I mean, come on, you're rolling to country music. So, so, listen, so listen to this, so watch. So we base our joy, we connect our joy, again, to relationships that are temporary, possessions that are passing. We base our joy on the success that's fleeting. A lot of us in this room, man, you're chasing the corporate ladder, you're chasing the raise, you're chasing the promotion, you're chasing retirement. Do you have enough? And man, it's just like, if I can just get there, if I can just get the degree, if I can just get the job, if I can just get the, man, then I'll be happy. Then I'll, and, and a lot of you in this room, you've got the position, you got the raise, you got the girl, you got the thing. And I just want you to know, your joy ain't full. Do you know why? Because we are placing our joy in temporary things and it gives us a temporary joy. And so, so Jesus shows up and he says this. He says, I know that you base your life on positions, possessions, and production. And I want you to know I've given it all to you. You want to talk about position? I've made you my sons and I've made you my daughters for all eternity. There's nothing temporary about it. I'm my, you are mine and I'm yours forever. 
He says, not just pos- he said, not just positions. He said, you want to talk about possessions? He said, I've given you my Holy Spirit, and I've given you an unquestionable love that's greater than any love any person in this world can ever give you. I've given it to you. You didn't earn it. He said, you want to talk about production? He said, when you're hooked to me and I'm hooked to you, I'll make you more productive in this world than you could ever be on yourself. And what you produce in me will last through eternity. It won't last just for a moment. He says, so I want you to know, he says, you can have joy. Everybody shout joy. He says, you can have joy, my joy, that remains, that's crammed full in your life. He says, but you can only have it. He said, I've made it available, but you got to possess it. You can only have it if, if, if you're willing to abide, listen to heed to these things. And make sure that your joy, again, so joy is not an emotion. Joy is a position. It's not something that you have. Joy is who you are. It's not something that, joy isn't something that comes from your life. It's something that your life comes from. That guys, I want you to know that this thing that we do, Christianity, being a Christ follower, if all it is to you is a religion, it'll never satisfy you because religion can never satisfy. But God invited us into an eternal, eternal life-changing relationship with him. And he says, when you're connected, when we're hooked up, when we're in relationship, he says, you'll find that who I am just starts flowing through your life. He says, and the joy you're looking for, man, the, all the other things you're placing in it, he said, man, that joy is going to fizzle out. That joy is going to wane. He said, that joy is going to wear off. He said, you can laugh at jokes now, but in a week, he said, you're going to forget that joke. He says, but in me, when you're hooked to who I am, he says, I'm going to give you a full and lasting joy. And I don't know about you guys, but I want joy full and lasting. Everybody shout full and lasting. I want you to walk out of this room. Come on, with a giggle. I want you to walk out with a bop in your step. You say, Pastor Steve, you don't know what I'm going through. Again, it's not, what you, it's not what you're in, it's what's in you. It's not what we're going through, it's what's going through us. And so Jesus says, man, there's this thing that, again, we're placing our hope, we're placing our joy in this temporary stuff, wondering why we don't have lasting joy. And so Jesus shows up and he says, hey, these things I've spoken to you, eternity connected, eternity loved, eternity making a difference, he says, if you'll hook in to the things that last longer than the things you've been hooking into, you'll have a lasting joy. You say, well, okay, Pastor, why don't, why don't I have it? And here's what I want to tell you today, and here's where we're going to spend a few minutes, is I found this, that our joy is limited because it's polluted and diluted in our hearts. Our joy, come on, our joy is limited because it's polluted and diluted in our hearts. Let me tell you what I mean by that. So again, Jesus, he makes this correlation. He says, again, he says, these things, these things I've spoken to you so your joy can, so so my joy can be in you and it'll be full. So there's this correlation to this. He says, the more of my joy you have in you, the more joy you'll have. The more truth you have in you, the more joy you'll have. So truth, watch this, truth to Jesus is almost synonymous with joy. You want more joy, you got to get more truth. If you want to have a full joy, you got to be full of truth. you got to be full of who Jesus said we are, whose we are, what we can do, what we can have. That's where joy comes from. I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I've, I have no shame in my testimony. Um, like, my testimony got me to where I am. One of the reasons I used to love to party, I used to get high, used to drink. I used to love it because everything's funny when you're drunk. Come on, please. I hate when church people get religious. Some of you were drinking last night. You need to get your heart right. Some of you were drinking last night. 
Listen, when people fall down, you're like, oh, my gosh, are you okay? When you're drunk, you're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Everything's funny. That's why I party, man. I love to have a good time. I love to, listen, when you wake up in the morning and you're worshiping at the throne of the porcelain God, it ain't funny no more. Because that junk wears off. A buzz wears off. A high wears off. Relationship, sometimes they go astray. But Jesus says, I want you to have full joy now. And that's what he makes available. He says, the only way you can have it, you've got to hear these things. These things have to permeate your heart. These things got to get into your life and have to assimilate into who you are. And the reason, again, we don't have that joy is because that joy or that truth is polluted and diluted in our life. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by it. When I say diluted, I mean we don't get, we don't get, uh, we don't get really like all the truth. We get part of the truth, but not all the truth. And when I say it's polluted, we don't get nothing but the truth. Have you guys ever heard, maybe you watched on TV, or maybe you've actually been in court and you've had to swear. Anybody ever hear that phrase that we, we swear to tell the truth? Come on, say it with me. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Have you ever wondered, what, what does that mean? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Here, here's what that means, because it's a subtle distinction, but it's important. Let's say, for example, that myself, Pastor Ryan, who is our host, and where's Pastor Ronnie? He's probably out in the floor. He's fired. Where is he? <laughs> Brandon, you, you, me and you, okay? So Pastor Ryan and Brandon and, and Ronnie... When you guys leave, if you know who Ronnie is, just give him a dirty look. Make him wonder, what did I do wrong? So let's say, let's say that me and Brandon and Pastor Ryan, let's say we're all hanging out at the mall together, okay? And, uh, and let's, say, let's say Sydney came up to me and said, hey, hey Pastor Steve, what, what, what did you do this morning? If I, if I said I went to the mall, is that the truth? That's the truth. But it's not the whole truth. The whole truth is that I was at the mall with Brandon and Pastor Ryan. But if I said I was at the mall with Brandon, Pastor Ryan, and Pat, I just lied. Because I gave you the truth, I gave you the whole truth, but I didn't give you nothing but the truth. I added something to it. So here's what I want you to know is Jesus said, if my truth can get on the inside of you, it'll give you some joy. It'll change how you see life. It'll change who you are. It'll change how you walk through things. But the problem is the truth that we have is diluted and polluted. We got the truth. We just don't have the whole truth and nothing but the truth. When I talk about diluted, some of us don't have the whole truth of who you are, either because you're new in faith or because you're playing games in church. I just want you to know, listen to me, there's something about when you show up in church, and you open your heart up to God's word and he pours in and you walk out of this place with a new mind and a new heart and only God can do that. There's something about, hear me, listen, I know it's not popular. I know it's not the thing to do. I know we got busy schedules, but there's something about a Christ follower getting in God's word, opening it up with a journal and studying about who God said you are, what God said you can have, what he said he's gonna do in and through your life. There's something about not getting part of the truth, but getting all of the truth that changes who you are in Jesus. Come on, somebody. See, listen, I, I, don't, I don't have anything compared worldly to some of you, but I want you to know I was on the fast track success. I was the most popular in high school. I was the cat everybody wanted to hang out with. I was well on my way to a career where I would have been successful. I gave it all up not to stand on a platform because Jesus changed my life, and I found out everything I was chasing, everything I wanted, everything I hoped to have, it left me empty. But there was a joy that Jesus came and brought on the inside of me that blew all that stuff away. 
And the longer I follow him, the happier I get. Do you know why? Because the truth isn't diluted. The longer I follow him, the closer I get to him, the more I know about him and the more I know about me. I don't have a diluted truth. I got a truth. Jesus said, these things I've told you, these things I've said to you, I've told you these things. I know people's going in and out of your life, but Jesus, I'm here to stay. I know you're chasing success, and sometimes you'll get it, and that's great, and there's nothing wrong with success in this world. But sometimes you're going to be disappointed. And if you're disappointed because you didn't get the job, didn't get the raise, didn't get the diploma, if you're disappointed because you didn't get the whatever, he said if your joy is dependent on things of this world, then your joy is going to go like a roller coaster. It's going to go up and down. But he said when you hook in, when you get the, when you get the truth of these things, he said, then you're going to have a fixed joy that remains and is full. And so when I talk about, and this is where I want to hang for a few minutes, is polluted. Everybody shout polluted. Polluted joy. This is what the Bible says. Listen to this. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. When I talk about polluted joy, there's a lot of us in this room that you've been in church for months, some of you for years. In the four things I've just told you, you've heard over and over. You know you're going to heaven. You're like, <laughs> heaven, it's awesome. You're like, yeah, the Holy Spirit's with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, God loves me. That's awesome. That's great. Some of you have heard, some of you have heard all these things that Jesus said, but the reason sometimes we don't have a full and remaining joy is because that's, that, that junk is polluted in our hearts. It's that not only have we heard what God said, but we hear what the world's got to say too. The reason we don't have full joy is because we hear God loves us, but then we try to hear what the world has to say about us. We hear the world tell us that we're a failure, we're a mess up, or we're a screw up. We hear the world tell us that you're only successful if you, got, if you drive this car and have this amount in the bank and live in this kind of house and are this kind of relationship. The world tries to define us, and we have these wrestling messages in our mind that try to compete for what's truth in our heart. And so it's not that we've not heard truth. Some of you are here every week. Some of you are watching online every week. And you hear truth, but it's, your heart is polluted with other things. You got the these things, and then you got the other things. And so here's what Proverbs says about how to hang on to that truth and have the joy. Everybody shout joy. To have the joy that God wants you to have. He says this, shout it with me. Every voice here, read it. He said, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, now listen to what he says. He says, I want, you to, I want you to guard your heart above all else. Now, we guard all kinds of things in our life. Think about the things that we guard. We guard, we guard our cars, right? We lock our doors. We, we set, we got, it, they, it's funny now because I'm from back in the day, some of you guys know back in the day. If you got gray, you're from back in the day. Anybody remember back in the day when cars didn't come with alarms? But if you, had, if you were cool, you got an alarm on your car? Like you had a $300 car, but you had like a $1,000 system in it. You didn't want anybody taking it, so you put an alarm on it. There was nothing like the feeling walking away and be like, boop, boop. But now they put alarms on every car that's made. I'm just going to be honest. So I, I joke about my car. I'm a little bit older car. Like I'm not de- defined by what I drive. But I've rolled in Spark, and there's like all these nice cars. And just naturally, when you lock your door, it's like, boop, boop. I've got the look like, I'm like, boop, boop. And people are like, come on, man. Ain't nobody stealing that. (laughs) (laughs) But we lock our cars. We set our alarms. Come on, we lock our houses. 
Some of you got a lot, some of you got ADT in your house. Some of you don't have ADT. You got an ADT sign though to make people think you got ADT. <laughs> My parents like <laughs> I shouldn't. I, never. I can't say that. As our church gets bigger, I have to be careful what I say because people are weird and like start trolling my neighborhood and stuff. So I was going to say something, but catch me later. I'll tell you one-on-one. It's funny. <laughs> but we, right, we guard everything. We got alarms. Uh, there's people on staff. We have a couple techie people, and they have these things at their house that if, the, if someone rings the doorbell at their house, it comes on their phone, and you can look and see who's at their house stealing their packages <laughs> when they're not there. So we guard everything. We, guard, we have an alarm here at the church. I'll tell you guys, when I, first, when I first got here, I was brand new. My first Sunday here, they, you know, they walked me through the building, gave me all my keys and, all, and gave me my alarm code. My first Sunday here as a leap, like my first Sunday, I came in the door, turned the key, and you have 30 seconds to disarm the alarm. So I walked up calm and casual, and I hid in like my six, boop, 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 boop. And it was still buzzing. I'm like, boop, 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 boop. It was still, but I'm like, boop, boop, boop. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh my. If you've never heard our alarm go off here at church, I'm telling you, it's like threatening. It's mean. Like, I'm going to kill your mama and your daddy. You better step off, Jack. And, it, and it's, it's like 6.30 in the morning. It's like screaming this junk to the neighborhood. I'm panicked. And like most alarms, they'll call you and you got to give them the passcode. I forgot the passcode. They're like, uh, this is whoever, ADT, or this is like ADT. We have an alarm at your place. I'm like, yes. And I don't know the passcode. Please, will you do me a favor? Don't call the police yet because I'm a new pastor and the worst thing that can happen is me to go to jail on day one. <laughs> will you just be, just give me 30 seconds and I call Grant Wilkes. Grant Wilkes knows everything. I called Grant. I was like, Grant, what's the, what's the code? And he gave me the code and I was able to turn it off and not go to jail and it was a glorious day. <laughs> but listen to this. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, come on, shout this. Guard your heart above all else. I think the problem is, is that we guard, um, we guard everything else above our heart. We guard our, position, our possessions. We guard our relationships. We guard our identity. We got LifeLock. We guard all this stuff. And, and here's what the Word says. The Word says the most important thing that you can guard is your heart. Because if you don't guard your heart, if you don't guard your heart, it's going to be polluted with other stuff that's going to rob you of joy. You're going to be polluted with lies. You're going to be polluted with hurt and anger and deception and frustration and bitterness. All this stuff's going to come in. Here's what he says. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. When he talks about your heart, he's not talking about, he's not talking about this, this blood-pumping muscle in the middle of your chest. When the Bible talks about our heart, the Bible talks about our intellect, our morality, our character, our soul, our will. It's the center of who we are morally, spiritually, and character. And so when the Bible talks about our heart, it's saying it's the essence of who you are. And you have to guard it because what comes into your heart will define who you are and how you think. And so Jesus says, hey, I've told you these things that these things can get into your heart and define you. And most of us have heard these things, but we got all this other stuff coming in because we're not guarding our heart above all else. And here's, he says, here's why. He says, because it's the course. Everybody shout the course. Your heart defines and determines the course of your life. You show me what's in your heart, and I'll show you where you're headed in life. People say, but it's, it's how I was brought up. It's who my parents were. It's my socioeconomic status. It's my race. It's how much money I have. It's how many degrees I have. That's not what the Bible says. 
The Bible says what determines your future, where you're headed and how you're going to live, isn't what anything that happened on the outside, it's what's on the inside. You show me what's in your heart, and I'll show you what's in your life. What fills your heart leads your life. And says, I want you to make sure that you have to guard your heart. I want you to make sure that you hang on to it because it's going to be the rudder of your destiny. It's going to determine what direction you head in life. And so the Bible tells us, here's the things, right? We have to guard. Everybody shout guard. We have to guard our heart. Let me tell you real quick what that means. The writers and the readers, when this was originally written, had immediately a word picture because there's two words written into this. It's, it's cool. Not for us today because we're a totally different culture, but then there were, some, there were some words written in here that intentionally sparked a word picture that they knew what Solomon meant when he wrote this. When he says, guard your hearts, some translations say, guard your hearts with all diligence. Above everything else, guard your heart. Here's what happened. In ancient times, cities were guarded by huge walls, right? Every major city had a huge wall that went all the way around it. And every, every so often, there would be a huge gate so traffic could get in and out of the city. And at night, they would close the gates. They would close the gates so no one could get in and out. And then two things happened. This is so important. They would set a watchman on the wall. Everybody shout a watchman. Someone would get up with some binoculars. Someone would get up with a scope. And they would watch around the horizon to make sure no enemy forces were coming to attack the city. Because if the armed forces got the drop on the city, it would typically fall. But if they were able to give a warning that there were incoming troops, they could overcome. So a watchman sat on the wall to keep the city safe. Not only that, when they opened the doors, in every city, a judge would sit at the gate. And when you tried to get in their, when you tried to get in their city, they would interview you. Just the same way if anybody here has ever flown internationally, and you come back in the United States right? You got to go through customs. They got to check you out. They got to make sure you are who you say you are to make sure the United States is safe. A judge would sit there and if necessary would interview. Who, who are you? Where you been? What are you bringing in the city? The purpose was to keep the city safe. And when the Bible says guard your heart, he's saying, I want you to look out. He's saying, what's on the horizon headed your way that's going to compromise what's in your heart? And he says, I want you to be careful that you don't let things in that are not true. When something comes along and says you're a failure, you're a mess up, God doesn't love you, success looks like this. He says you need to reject that because you have success, love, and prosperity in who I am and who you are in me. And then he says this, check this out in Philippians chapter 4. It gives us this like biometric security system. The biometrics, some of you guys have seen this, you can unlock things, right? If you have a, if you have a newer iPhone, iPhone 6. It has biometrics in it. it. has your thumbprint. You can't unlock your phone without your thumbprint. And here's what the Bible says. Here are the biometrics to your heart. Again, think it. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you and that my joy might be full. He says, so you've got to let the right stuff in your heart. You've got to keep the wrong stuff out. Don't be diluted. Get full truth. Don't be polluted. Don't let anything in. But God, what God has said about you. So as you go through your life, here's the biometric system. Here's, here's the filter that you use. And if it doesn't meet this criteria, you got to not let it in your heart. Because if you let this junk in your heart, it'll rob you of joy. But if you let the right stuff in, you'll have full and remaining joy. Read it with me. One more verse. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. 
Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. He says, he says, when something comes your way, what someone says about you, how you feel about life, what you think about your relationship with God, he says, you gotta, he says, you gotta let this filter determine whether you let it in. Is it true? Is it admirable? Is it pure? If it is, man, then let it in. But if it's what somebody thinks about you, if it's how you, maybe you're having a bad day and you look in the mirror and you're not happy with yourself because you've not achieved enough, you're not in the right relationship and you start, he says, man, don't let that junk in. He said, that junk will sink your ship. He said, but I want you to have joy. I want you to look at life and laugh. Come on, everybody. Everybody say, ha ha. He just makes you want to laugh saying that. God wants us to have joy. And we can't have joy, man, when our heart gets polluted with all the voices of this world. So these things I've spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and your joy will be full. I know I said this last scripture. One more, I promise. I'll be quiet because I lied a minute ago. But that's what grace is for. Let me show you one more verse. John 16, 22. Therefore, you now have sorrow. He's talking to his disciples, and he's saying the reason you have sorrow now is because all of these things haven't been activated yet. He hasn't gone to heaven yet. He hasn't sent the Holy Spirit yet. They don't have the ability to be productive yet. But he says, so he's saying right now you have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. And your joy, come on, say it with me, your joy, no one will take from you. So God says, I want you to have so much joy. But he says, watch this. So you can only have joy if you let the right stuff in. And once you got joy, and some of you know this, once you got joy, you got to fight for it. You got to make sure that nothing comes along and steals your joy. Now, I'm about you guys, but I, I, I'm kind of a joyous person. I let, but man, I let stuff jo- steal my joy way too often. I let circumstances steal my joy. I let some of you goofballs steal my joy. I let situations with my family steal my joy. I hope you all know I'm I'm kidding. Y'all aren't goofballs. I love all of you. Well, some of you are goofballs, but. I let life steal my joy. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus said, don't let anybody take your joy. Once you got it, man, you got to put a stranglehold on it and don't let anybody take it from you. My son this year, I can say he's not in here my son this year, I never thought this would happen in my family. I was never bullied. If anything, I was kind of the bully in school. My son, I'm still kind of the bully. <laughs> my son, he was bullied a little bit in school and man, just went through this tough season, was coming home and was upset. This kid was calling him names. And I sat him down. This is what I told him. I said, listen, if you keep letting this kid bully you, he's going to bully you every day because bullies get off on being a bully. And if you keep letting him bully you, he's going to keep bullying you. But if you'll stand up to him, if you'll stand up to him, he'll find someone else to bully. So I said, this is what you need to do. I said, number one, I said, the next, next time he says something to you, I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you're in class. I don't care where you're at. You need to say to his face loud and clear. And I won't say the kid's name. I'll say Tom. Tom! I refuse for you to talk to me like that anymore. You're going to stop it now. And I said, if he says another thing to you, you've given him a warning. If he says one more thing to you, ball your fist up as hard as you can and punch him square in the mouth. 
That's how I roll. Now, some of you may not be happy I gave that advice, but I'm, par- I'm parenting my kids, not your kids. And I'm just going to tell you, that's the best advice you can have to deal with a bully. And thankfully, it didn't come to that, and he was able to deal with it, and it subsided. But, but here, here was the point I was trying to make to my son. I said, son, because this kid was stealing his joy. He was coming home from school. Some days crying and upset. I said, man, you can't, you can't let this bully steal your joy from you. The only way you can stand up, the only way you can keep your joy is you've got to stand up to him. Don't let anybody take your joy. I want you all to know today, as we get ready to dismiss, that God wants you to have joy. And he's made the provisions. It's God's responsibility that we can access joy. It's our responsibility to possess joy. God said, I've made joy possible for you. He said, but you've got to open up your heart to truth and allow it to saturate your life. And once you've got it and you know who you are, you've got to hang on to it. Because lots of things are going to come into your life and steal your joy. But it's up to you to hold on. I want everybody to put a fist up and just clench it. God wants you to have joy. Listen, I'm praying for you today. Come on, just lift it up. I know your arm's heavy just for a minute. Some of you in this room, man, you're sad and depressed and anxious and frustrated. Listen, I'm praying for you right here as we close that God would fill your heart with joy. And I'm telling you, man, hang on to it. This this is not dependent on your job, your income. It's dependent on who you are in Christ. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you have made joy a real possibility in our lives. And God, not partial joy, but full joy. Joy that doesn't turn on and turn off, but joy that remains. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray full joy now over every person in this room. Joy that endures in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would help us to hang on to it and that no one would steal our joy. And, Father, I thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God today for joy? Hey, listen, before you head out of this place, I just want to say this real quick. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, again, the joy that he wants us to have is contingent on us being hooked to him. And so if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never said yes to his grace, then we're going to pray real quick. Will you bow your heads and your hearts just for one more minute? Father, I pray all over this room, if there's one person here that's never said yes, I pray, God, you would draw them to yourself. I pray right now, Lord, that they would know that your love for them is real. And if they'll just say yes, God, you'll come into their life. You'll forgive their sin. God, you'll give them true and meaningful life. So, Lord, I pray, God, you draw them. With every head bowed just for a minute again, the Bible says we're all sinners. If you're watching online, the Bible says you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things our own way. And the Bible says the wages of sin, what we're going to be paid for is death. Not just to die one day, but to be separated from a God who loves us now and for eternity. I want you to know God doesn't hurl anyone to hell. We make a decision not to accept his grace. And so he makes it available. He says, I want to offer you a gift of grace, the gift of my love and my forgiveness. That if we open up and all we do is say yes, that grace will change us, forgive us, and make us God's kid. And so all across this room, if you're here and you've never said yes, if you're new to church or you've been in church for a long time, you say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me today? Man, I want to say yes to God's grace. I want to say yes to his love in my life. I'm going to pray. If you want to include it in this prayer, all over this building, if you want to include it in this prayer to say yes to God, yes to his grace, I want you to lift a hand real high. Come on, all over this room, lift it up and keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, lift it up and keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see a hand, ma'am. Anybody else? Come on, lift it up, keep it up. All the way in the back, I see you. See these hands. Listen, we're going to pray together. 
The Bible says that if we'll confess out of our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we'll believe in our heart, we'll have faith that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer. If you lifted a hand, will you pray this with me out loud? And all of us together, we, we pray, man, together with these, say, Jesus, I believe that you love me with an everlasting love and that you died for me so I could be forgiven. Come into my life, save me, forgive me, and make me your child. In Jesus' name, I receive it now, and I thank you for it. And everybody who agreed said amen.